Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. Half of it's recorded in Wellsville, New York. The other half is recorded in, I don't even know where. Bo, where are you right now? Are you just back in good old Marshall, Michigan? I'm still in Marshall, Michigan. Okay. Well, I'm Nick Gunning, and I'm joined by uh, one of my oldest buddies, Bo Hutchings. Bo, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Happy Pride Month. Anytime. Thank you. I'm going to say right off the bat that I'm disappointed with your shirt choice this year, because... Last I knew you year, were going to say that. Well, last year, you know, you you had a sleeveless white T-shirt on that I want to say said "Be Be You, Be Be Yourself, Be Strong." <laughs> yeah, literally, it was it was a rainbow yeah. um, emblem, and I think it just said "Be You" under it. Very nondescript. Yeah. Very, you know, target. Yeah. And D- just kind of geared towards dip it. Dipping your toe in the Pride-ish. water. Yeah, yeah. Pride adjacent. <laughs> yeah. You know. So that's good. Yes. This this year you're sporting a Saugatuck shirt. I think that that's like your annual vacation, right? How often do you go to Saugatuck, Michigan? Since I moved back in 2020, I've yeah. been to Saugatuck, Michigan probably four or five times. Oh, four or five. I'm in the okay. southwest part of Michigan, so okay. I'm like very smack dab center. I am holding up my hand right now. Yes. So I'm about an hour, 20 minutes inland from Saugatuck. Okay. Saugatuck is on the west coast of Michigan, so that's yeah. Lake Michigan. I love this. It's right there, right um. Just straight across from Marshall. It's just an hour, 20-minute yeah. drive to the lake, and it's a fabulous little kind of resort, beachy, artsy, super cultural, sweet little Michigan town. Yeah, yeah. My memories of Saugatuck and South Haven, which is sort of like in the same area there, are from, I want to say, 1996, when I used to go pretty regularly with my grandma. But one year, I found these sunglasses with like Coke bottle lenses, but the lenses were like bright blue. I wore those sunglasses to death. I loved them. And I was so sad when they broke. And I was never able to find a pair that was as cool or that fit me as well as the ones that I got in Saugatuck that time. Well, listen, I'm going back for 4th of July weekend, so I will be on the lookout. If for you would those. keep an eye out. Yeah. Well, I Absolutely. think you Absolutely. If I, I don't love them too much and I don't buy them for myself, then you'll get them for me. Okay. That's good. I think we already said it, but it's Pride yes. Month. And so Bo's back for our, our Pride Month book club last year we did red white and royal blue by casey mcquiston and as i recall we were both sort of on the fence about it yeah i think it was it wasn't steamy enough for me yeah personally yes uh i don't know i i I don't really remember my gripes necessarily but it just didn't it didn't speak to me no it, it didn't play enough on the like oh this is like the the country boy and this is like the prim and proper prince like those characters were pretty much interchangeable there wasn't a whole lot of tension because they were just yes. like we're both in this and then the last i want to say like 150 pages yeah. was about the presidential election and we were like okay whatever <laughs> yeah i was like what do we care? Right. Yeah. So get those two back to Buckingham Palace. Isn't uh-huh. that kind of where he, where they had all their like steamy encounters? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Like the West Wing <laughs> of Buckingham Palace. Yes. But then they were also, again, like two of the most famous people with the biggest security presence in the world. And they were just going everywhere. Just going everywhere. They're like, hey, we're in Tallahassee, Florida, in a bar, and nobody cares. And it was like, okay. And everybody had phones, but nobody was recording them. Correct. Now, I chose that book. Uh, and you chose this year's book, and we're going to be talking about Stephen Rowley's The Gunkle, 
Last year's book wasn't steamy enough for you. This was the least steamy book I've ever read in my life. So <laughs> I, I guess I don't really know what your criteria is. It was not is. steamy. No. I wasn't expecting steamy with this one, though, Nick. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah, I, know. I was expecting heartwarming. I was expecting humor, sarcasm, yeah. and I was expecting anti-mame. Yes, yes. Okay, don't get into your reviews yet because we got, we've got so many other things that we need to talk about. All right, let's get into our book barks. Are you ready? Bookmarks. Oh. What, what have you been reading and or watching since we spoke last on this podcast? Well, I have been feverishly reading The Gunkle yeah. up until about 20 minutes ago. Look at you. <laughs> wow. I made it. Good for I you. I made the deadline. This is a bit, okay, so this is a bit longer for the books that we typically read for our podcast. Right? So I did not plan out my uh, last mm. month very well. It but was not, listen, not longer I love than deadline. Red, White, and Royal Blue. I got to tell you that. Red, White, and Royal Blue was 450 pages. So this this was a little bit shorter. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love yeah, a deadline I too. Though. I guess I guess I just prioritize differently. But I love this book. Anyway, we'll get into it. But, okay. Um, you so just I've been reading the, the spoiler. I, okay. All right. All right. I have not been reading anything else because I've been really dedicated to this. Okay. But I have on my bedside table. I have a couple books. Okay. So I do want to get to. Um, uh, it's called the wreckage of my presence. Okay. And it is a series of essays written by um, celebrity Casey Rose Wilson of SNL One Season fame. Sure, she was yeah. also on a show called Happy Endings. Yeah, yeah, and Marry Me. Yeah, she's. Do great. you recognize kind of the name? For sure. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in Marry Me. She's um, she was in Gone Girl for mm -hmm. a scene. Yeah, but um. Yeah, she's had she's had pretty like a peripheral like Hollywood career. Yeah. I mean, she's a celebrity. Yeah. But I follow, I listen to her podcast. Oh, okay. hers is my number one. She's so funny. And she wrote um she wrote this. She's hilarious, and I've listened to her read some excerpts from it. And I'm not going to do the audiobook. I do love listening to her tell a story, but mm. I really want to read it and see yeah. if I can capture the essence by yeah. just reading it and absorbing it that way. I mean, it's a New York Times bestseller, so I finally contacted my local bookstore in downtown Marshall and had you. them order it for me, the paperback. So I just got that in. Nice. I'm excited for that summer read. And I also have another book on my desktop. Not sure if I'm going to get to it. It was gifted to me by my therapist, and it is um, Derek Huff's oh. Dancing Through Life memoir, which is probably about 101 pages. Um, which, but she saw it in a bookstore. She thought of me because well, he's sweet. a white, blonde, dancing guy. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she gifted it to me, which was very sweet. And I, I, I do want to read. I do want to, like, check in and see what Derek Huff's doing. Sure. You know, see what, what he's, he's up all to. about. Yeah, absolutely. Or was up to five years ago yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah those are, i'm reading i'm i'm planning on reading one of those you okay. take a guess at which one i'm actually going to get to first <laughs> um and then i still have that i still have isaac mizrahi's um book that oh. i bought in sakatuck last summer you know okay. isaac mizrahi I do. yeah yeah fashion designer yeah. kind of um you know cultural commentator yeah he's hilarious i always love his interviews did you watch that he has show? an epic he um, was like a he was like a judge on it. it was a it was like a project runway you know competitor i don't remember what it was called but he was a judge on there do you, you don't know yeah i think so mm. was it was it bravo this or was it a different for you it might have been I tlc or something? don't yeah i'm not sure i don't know exactly what it was but that's how <laughs> i know him 
Hey, we talk about Real Housewives. I could whoop your butt. Okay, but when it comes could. to when it comes to any other reality show, I'm not super versed. Yeah. Yeah. But he does have an iconic interview with um, H, uh, HSN or whatever one of those home shopping network like <laughs> channels was where okay. he's they're, they're selling women's caftans or something. And they're talking about the moon or something. And, he, and he's like, he's like, it's as far away as the planet moon, the planet <laughs> moon. And then the girl next to him is like, isn't the moon a star? And she goes, no, the moon is a planet. Ooh. The moon is such a planet. I can't even stand it. And they just go off and off and like they're talking about how the moon is a planet. And he keeps thinking, and then That's all of a sudden funny. he goes, Chunky, Chunky, if you're listening to this, Google, Google for me. Is the moon a planet? <laughs> it's so wild. That sounds fun. So anyway, I want to read his book. I think you yeah, should. Yeah, it's called I. I yeah. for Isaac. Oh, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, boy, I've been, I feel like, in sort of a pop culture zone. I don't know. I've been reading a lot of like lighter stuff lately. Oh. Uh, so I've been uh, I've been rewatching the Star Wars prequels. I think you're a Star Wars guy, but how do you feel about the prequels? Um, the prequels meaning two thousands, uh, meaning like Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, Attack of the Clones, Revenge right. of the Sith. Yeah, I'm less familiar with those than I am the other ones, like the newer ones and then the the original series. That one, that one was probably um, that one's the more eh, me. Yeah. I'll yeah. get to that another time. I did watch them, but I, I haven't rewatched them much. I haven't rewatched them much either, but I've been watching. We watched the old ones with our son, and then we were like, well, let's just roll into the prequels. Why not? And so I watched them and kind of liked them more than I ever have before. Like, I was kind of like, oh, maybe these don't suck. Maybe these are okay. That got me in a zone for that, and I picked up a Star Wars book called Brotherhood by Mike Chen. Brand new, just came out. It's a, it's an Obi-Wan and Anakin book. And I'm really digging the Obi-Wan series on Disney+. Plus. Have you watched any of that? I haven't, but that's with you and McGregor, right? Is, he's back. Yeah. Yeah, and Hayden back. Christensen? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I would be really excited to check that out. I think you could probably dive in. They give you enough. They Basically, it's like previously on Star Wars, and you get like, here's what the prequels are, and you get a lot <laughs> of flashbacks and stuff. So I think, you know, as long as you have sort of a vague understanding, I think you'd be fine. But I'm liking that. I've also been reading in our graphic novel section, we have some She-Hulk and She-Hulk, the trailer for the new She-Hulk show on Disney Plus just dropped. And I used to read She-Hulk when I was a kid, and I haven't read it in a long time. So I've been reading some of that now just to sort of like be up on it for when the show comes out. And I'm really liking it. It's a lot of fun. Interesting. So that's like the Hulk with the female version? Hence yeah. The, She-Hulk? It, that's it. Yeah, you figured it out. Like, clever. You're just a clever guy. You know, you just get the basics and you just gotcha. you put it together. Uh, yes, in the comics, I'm a critical thinker. They're cousins, and uh, Jen Walters, who is the She-Hulk, needs a blood transfusion, or she's gonna die. And the only one who can give the transfusion, Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk. Well, did he know what he was doing? Yeah, but it was either that or she dies. You know. Oh, true. Yeah, I guess those are high stakes. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Did she know that she would turn into a She-Hulk? Hmm. I think that she's out of commission. I think it's like your cousin's going to die and you're oh, the next to kin. Yeah, and he's like, pump her full of this sweet Hulk blood. I think that's pretty much how it goes. So, yeah. <laughs> I want some of that Hulk blood. It's Pride season. Yeah, you're right. The, the old like 80s and 90s She-Hulk comics are fun because it's very, I don't know, it's like they didn't, I don't know, it feels like they were just like, no one's going to read She-Hulk. Do whatever you want. Because it's a lot of like fourth wall breaking where she's like talking to the, she's like, oh, this story's stupid. Change it. Or like talking to the reader and stuff. It's just very... Very atypical, and I like hmm. it quite a lot, so that's fun. Uh, I'm reading a book called The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki, 
this is one that is a finalist for the Women's Prize for Fiction. And it's such a weird book because it's the, the, the sort of simple premise is that this kid loses his father and then it's just him and the mom. And the mom is sort of slowly becoming a hoarder. And I don't know if it's, I don't know really what, where we're going with this, but as in the place I'm in right now, the kid starts having conversations with like inanimate objects. Like the book itself becomes a narrator. He's like, he's talking to like scissors and like things around the house. And it's, if they can stick the landing, I think it'll be really impressive. And right now I'm just kind of like, maybe, but I like it. It's interesting. Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki is the book. Are you I'm watching? interested in the whole hoarding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Angle. I know, I know. Are you am watching wa- anything? Am, right I, am I watching Hoarders? I'm watching Hoarders only. Oh, perfect. Uh, it's really healthy for you. Hoarders and HSN. <laughs> the moon is a planet. <laughs> perfect bear. <laughs> I can't even stand it. Um, yes. Stupid. Am I watching something? So I feel like last time we talked, I remember talking about HBO series, which yeah. are my number one, if I'm going to go series um so i'm currently into hack season two starring okay. gene smart i've only seen the first season. fabulous yeah okay yeah it's super fun love her and i started the minx which is also on hbo did you hear okay. about that one yes i don't remember what it is though it's about a woman who wants to write for a feminist magazine in the 70s, and she gets a job from okay. like kind of an expo, yes. uh-huh. but it's writing for kind of a, a, an adult magazine. Yeah. So she ends up writing feminist pieces for an adult magazine. So there's a lot of oh, um, explicit um, moments in oh, the show. Oh, I see. Yeah. I it's see. fun, though. Totally, it's fun. It's, it's got Lenin Parham in it, who I, I think her. is hilarious. She yeah, plays her sister. Great. So is that like great. a straight woman that uh-huh. like, is so dry, but really delivers the zingers. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's a great cast. It's really, it's a pretty sweet show. It's, it's really interesting. And I like the 70s style of it too. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds good. I really, after we, after our last episode, you were saying that Mare of Easttown was like aces for you. And I watched it afterwards and it was great. I really liked it. She's amazing. She is. Yeah, it's true. I also really like the flight attendant. She's though smart I, even though I haven't seen the season, the second season of that yet. Yeah. I've heard great things. I love the first season. It was great. Haley Cuoco, I guess her sister's on season two, which is kind of fun and random. I, I picked that oh, up in an interview. Interesting. That's all I really know about the show. Okay, well, I like it. I already mentioned Obi-Wan, <laughs> but uh, I watched Top Gun Maverick. Are you a Top Gun fan? <sighs> I'm not, but I'm here for the whole the whole moment yeah. this is having. Yeah, yeah, I know. I so the, have you, you've, you never, you've never seen the first movie? You know, I'm sure I have. Yeah. Like, I watched all those movies as a kid yeah. in the 90s. I feel like I, I watched Cocktail. I watched Top Gun. Like, I yeah. did the whole Tom Cruise catalog growing up. But it, that one didn't stick with me. I felt like it was a little too too fast and furious for yeah. young Bo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, honestly, whether they intended it or not, Top Gun is a pretty good Pride Month movie. But uh, Top Gun Maverick really pulls it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really pulls in uh, a lot of the nostalgia from the first one. And it, it toes a fine line of like, we're just doing the scene again. You remember the beach volleyball scene? Now it's beach football and nobody's wearing a shirt. You know, so they do a lot of that kind of stuff. But it works because like all you want out of a Top Gun sequel is sort of a throwback to like a cheesy 80s movie. And it, it really succeeds. So I, <laughs> I've got nothing but good things to say about Top Gun Maverick. I might just have to go see it. I think you should. Is it playing at the Bogar, your local uh, theater there in Marshall? 
Um, I just drove by the Bogart today. Yeah, I know they have Jurassic it. World and oh. Downton Abbey too. Uh, how do you feel about the they Jurassic had, Park series? I know, yeah. Mm, great question. Thank you. Um, I love the original Jurassic Park. Um, I'm I'm really interested in the Chris Pratt of it all and the Bryce Dallas Howard. I have not watched the the, the recent ones, but I like the concept of the dinosaurs just kind of taking over the world yeah. and running through the canals of Venice and chasing people on little mopeds and stuff. It's just, it, I don't know, it's, it really does something for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of like, whatever about Jurassic World and, and the second one, Fallen Kingdom, I was like, no, thank you. So I wasn't really, this wasn't really at the top of my list, but there was a preview for it prior to Top Gun Maverick. And much like Top Gun Maverick, it gives you a lot of Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill and Laura Dern from the olden days. And I'm kind of like, all right, one more ride. One more ride with these crazy kids. Let's do it. So I probably will Twist see it my arm. Yep. They got me. Hey, I saw both Living Beatles in one week. How about that? Wait, I know you saw Paul McCartney. Who I else? Did. I saw Ringo Starr. Who else is alive? It's just Paul and Ringo. Oh, Ringo Starr. Yeah, Thank Paul you. and Ringo. Yeah, I saw Ringo Starr with his all-star band gotcha. at Canandaigua on Memorial Day on the 30th. And super fun. I mean, Ringo, Ringo is like the king of just like, yeah, let's have fun. I'm not a great singer. Whatever. Here are the songs you want to hear. Ba-doom, doom, doom. <laughs> you know. And like, he just, I, I, I respect somebody who knows their limits. And Ringo knows his limits and just plays right up to the line. And then he's like, all right, see you next time. So I can't really complain. <laughs> and then we saw McCartney, my, my younger brother and I, he'd never seen McCartney before. And that was like, before I die, I must see Paul McCartney. So we got tickets and we saw it in Aww. Syracuse. And it was, a, it was a good show. There was a lot of deep cuts uh, that, I mean, Paul McCartney just has so many iconic songs that it's like you really can't go wrong. Uh, so we heard a lot of a lot of things that that we were kind of hoping to hear and some surprises, and it was really fun. Was re- they're both eighty, and uh, that's coming across a little bit, but definitely <laughs> definitely worth seeing. So so cool to see them both Man. like what, so close together. What kind of venues are those fellas playing? Ringo tends to play smaller venues, usually outside. Um, I saw him once in Detroit, like years ago, and this was like an outdoor arena, you know. And and but the McCartney thing was more like uh, it's the Syracuse. Um, it used to be called the Carrier Dome. It's a, it, I mean, it's huge. It's it's a straight up stadium, pretty much. They're still selling it out. Like, they still are packing them in. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty incredible. Oh. And just seeing the mix of people too, because it was like kids all the way up to like you know people my grandparents' age. Pretty wild. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. You've been packing it a lot this early part of summer, so I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, before we get into our Pride Month book club, I, now I just I just want to be clear. You speak on behalf of the entire gay community. Is that right? Um, I will not sign off on that. Oh no! So you didn't you didn't get approval from the council prior to this? So it's just this is your own approval pending i'm okay. feeling good i'm feeling okay. good about the outcome but okay. um, we may we may have to go back and like i said edit yeah, roll we'll back the it. tapes edit we'll a bit it. and yeah. uh yeah we'll and, do we'll do a couple of takes and just make sure make sure we get it uh before we get there let's uh let's look at some book news are you ready look into the future to see what it proves it's time for book news bo i'm gonna hit you with the new york times bestseller list are you ready Lay it on me. Number 10, 77 weeks on the list. So this was here the last time we were talking. The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Nora Seed finds a library beyond the edge of the universe on the planet Moon that contains books with multiple possibilities of the lives one could have lived. Yeah. I mean, if it's still on there, I, there's. I've been meaning to get to it, though. Yeah. 
one of these days. One of these days. Number nine, new this yeah. week. Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. Questions arise when Ariel Price's new husband goes missing. Ariel. The new husband? What happened yeah. to the old husband? That's a good question. You should be a detective. Have you ever played a detective? Um, I have been. No, I played um a, a murderer. Oh, okay. But not a detective. Okay. I played Sergeant Trotter in The Mousetrap, and I want to say that's the only time I was any sort of law enforcement kind of person. I can see it. I don't know. Can you? Thank you. That's really encouraging to hear. Uh, number eight, two weeks on the list, In the Blood by Jack Carr, the fifth book. I've had enough of series. I feel like every time I pick up a book, it's like the explosive threequel. I'm like, come on now. I just want to read the book. Stunting. Yeah, it is. It is. You just put it back. You're like, hey, I don't have time for this. The fifth book in the Terminal List series, Jamie Reese goes after the killer of Mossad, of a Mossad operative attached to the CIA. Snooze. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Number seven, 12 weeks on the list. Run, Rose, Run by one James Patterson and Dolly Parton. Oh. America's Sweetheart. James Patterson? No, no uh, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. <laughs> Nine to five. Oh, she's the sweetheart. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I could see that too. What would you pull if you had to say one Dolly Parton song? What would it be? Hard Candy Christmas. <gasps> That's great. Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Yeah. Do you know the story about how... It's kind of I... Christmassy. It's kind of musical theater. Yeah. A little naughty. Just a little bit. I was supposed to go see Best Little, little Whorehouse in Texas at the Miller Auditorium. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, with Anne Margaret. And they... They canceled the tour because Anne Margaret's no good on stage. Wait a second. I thought I remember that story differently. I thought you were gonna go and then somebody you had to leave at intermission or something. Or that was that was cabaret. That was cabaret. I saw cabaret with my grandpa, yeah, with Alan Cummings, and he was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and then one other thing, I went to see Hello she... Hello Dolly with uh, Carol Channing, and it was the first performance in her whole history that she missed a show, and it was the one I was at. Oh, and where was it? I will also at the Miller. Not good luck with that Miller Auditorium no. in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Do no. you? Do you? I don't. That's why I'm, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. Of all the touring houses, not all the touring houses in Michigan, that's the one I haven't played. And that's the one I wanted to play because it's yeah. my alma mater. For sure. It's at Western oh, Michigan right. University. I forgot. Yeah. My there. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. You know, I did see the Music Man tour there. Like the one that was like, it was Craig, Craig Bierko and Rebecca Luker like on Broadway, but they weren't. They weren't in the. They weren't in. Oh it. yeah. But it was that tour, and we had right. really good seats, and it was great. It was so fun. I love. And that. the music man's back on Broadway now with your Hugh Jackman and your yeah, Sutton Foster. I don't. I don't like that casting. How do you feel about it? What? Hugh Why Jack- you think I it's too know. obvious? No, I don't think it's obvious at all. I think I think Harold Hill has to be. Has I don't know Hugh Jackman is just so earnest, especially when he's like singing and hoofing it. I feel like Harold Hill's got to have a little bit of stank on him, and I just don't think Hugh Jackman has it. But Harold Hill has to be so charismatic. Yeah, but he's also got to be slimy. They, be- they have to believe. Oh, I bet Wolverine can get slimy. Okay. Let me tell you about this Dolly Parton book. <laughs> a singer-songwriter goes to Nashville seeking stardom, but is followed by her dark past. Dun, dun, dun. Do you think Dolly Parton's taken a life? <laughs> Excuse me. I'm just, I'm just curious because she's. You write what you know, and if this singer has a dark past, do you think Dolly maybe has some literal skeletons in the closet I with the wigs? Well, 
definitely think she's kind of overcompensating. Could be. So could be. You know what? I'm sure she has, like you said, some skeletons in in her wig closet. Yeah. Probably literally. Yeah. Yeah. There's a hard candy crystal. Allegedly. Allegedly. Not even allegedly. We can't. The position of how things is. I do not. The gay community does not sign off on this comment. The gay community does not sign off on this. Well, I'm cutting that out so nobody's going to know you said it. Uh, Number six, two weeks on the list. This time tomorrow by Emma Straub. I'm either going to get you canceled or turn you straight by the end of this podcast. That's that's where this is going. Wait, that's my line. Oh, sorry. Uh, This time tomorrow by Emma Straub, number six. A 40-year-old woman finds new meaning in past events when she goes back in time and relives her 16th birthday in 1996. 1996, that was the year that you got your sunglasses. That was a good year. Uh, Yeah, that's true. I was was turning 13 in 1996. Terrible birthday. My 13th birthday, because my birthday's in, you know, January 4th. This is a little bit after yours. January 4th. And I was completely snowed in, completely snowed in. Couldn't have friends over. Nobody could come and give me presents. It was a terrible snowstorm. Stuck in my house. The only present I got on my birthday was an unfrosted cake and a shoe shining kit. (laughs) Happy birthday, 1996. What What are you to do? I don't know. I don't know. Start a new life in a train station, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know. But you could shine. You could shine the cake. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Number five, <laughs> new this week. Clive Cussler's Dark Vector. This is one of those things where Clive Cussler's long dead, but they're keeping it going. You know, it's like a Weekend at Bernie's kind of situation with the Clive Cussler books. What's a vector? A vector is a, is a certain point on an axis. You know, you got you got somebody coming in, yay, and you got somebody vector. You know. Ah. Uh... Gotcha. Uh, this is by Graham Brown, the 19th book series. There you go again. The 19th book in the Numophile series, again. A Search for Lost Treasure, puts Kurt Austin and uh, Joe uh, Zavala in the middle of a cyber war. Mm. That's the worst kind. Mm. It's like a Facebook off or something when yeah. people are just commenting back and forth. It could be. It could be. Number six. Uh, no, four. Six weeks on the list. Dreamtown, the third book in the Archer series. Archer, Dash, and Callahan search for a missing screenwriter who had a dead body turn up in her home. That happened Yikes. to Carrie Fisher in real life. All the life. dead bodies. I know. Carrie Fisher woke up with a dead friend in her bed and had to like call the cops. Wait, really? That's a true story. You can look it up. Uh, number three, oh. four weeks on the list, 22 That's seconds. That's really suspect. Carrie Fisher has several like essay collections that she's written, and they're <laughs> so funny. you got to check them out. Uh, James Patterson and Maxine yeah. Pietro, 22 seconds. The 22nd book in the Women's Murder Club series, Lindsay Boxer Returns, as word gets around about a shipment of drugs and weapons. I don't know about you, but I'm loving this recording delay we're having. I think it's really helping with the timing. You know? <laughs> I like to be able We're getting to just, good at it, though. I like, I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've just proven your point how good we are at it. But I like saying a thing that I think is funny and then waiting four seconds for you to chuckle at it. That's that's a delight for me. The suspense. I like saying something and watching you pause, watching you hold, and knowing that you're giving me time to respond. And yeah. You're looking at me like, now it's your turn. Right, I'm like, go, go, go. I finished the punchline with minutes ago. If you could anticipate it and just, you know, like <laughs> perfect. when it when you think I'm gearing up to do a joke, you just say that's what he said, and we'll just see if oh. it works out. You know what I mean? Just we'll just try it. If or it I could say, but um, yeah, that works. 
All right, we got to get through this list. Number two, three weeks on the list, The Summer Place by Jennifer Weiner. A wedding between Ruby Danhauser and her pandemic boyfriend at a family beach house in Cape Cod brings to light family secrets. Any pandemic romances for you? Um, Still working on those. Okay. All right. Well, luckily, it's still around, so don't worry about that. Fingers crossed. Yep. Good luck. Uh, number one, new this week, Night Work by Nora Roberts. Harry Booth, a master thief, breaks things off with Miranda. I don't know. I don't know who Miranda is, but he breaks things off with Miranda when a dangerous contact might harm her. Well, there you go. Yeah. Number one. Yep. Number one. Are you ready to get to the, the topic of the hour? I'm so ready. Let's okay. do it. year for our pride month book club Bo has selected the gunkle by stephen rowley uh stephen rowley is the author of a few other books lily and the octopus which has been optioned for a movie with amazon studios the editor and now the gunkle which got a lot of praise it was a finalist in the goodreads choice awards it was on a lot of like notable reads and summer reads and stuff so it really did get a lot of attention and i have to say uh it's checked out a lot at the david a howe a lot of people checking this book out it's kind of yeah, so it, it's been it's been pretty popular. I'm gonna give you the uh, the synopsis here. This is the publisher's synopsis. Patrick or Gay Uncle Patrick Gup for short has always loved his niece Maisie and nephew Grant. That is, he loves spending time with them when they come out to Palm Springs for week long visits or when he heads home to Connecticut for the holidays. But in terms of caretaking and relating to two children, no matter how adorable, Patrick is honestly a bit out of his league. So when tragedy strikes and Maisie and Grant lose their mother and Patrick's brother has a health crisis of his own, Patrick finds himself suddenly taking on the role of primary guardian, despite having a set of gunkle rules ready to go. Patrick has no idea what to expect, having spent years barely holding on after the loss of his great love, a somewhat stalled career, and a lifestyle not so suited to a six and nine-year-old, quickly realizing that parenting, even if temporary, isn't solved with treats and jokes. Patrick's eyes are open to a new sense of responsibility and the realization that sometimes even being larger than life means you're unfailingly human. All right, so so lay it on me, my friend. How did you discover this book? How did this one like end up on your radar? So the local bookstore I was talking about earlier in yeah. downtown Marshall. Can we shout them um, out? What's their when name? When I was going to get Casey. Oh, gosh. I knew you were going to ask me that. I'm sorry. Um... I'm sorry. Come on. You can do it. The bookshop, I think. The bookshop. Okay. Um, I know. Hold. Don't hang up. No, I won't. Don't hang I'll up. I'll stay right here. Bookstore. Bookstore. I was I, familiar I, uh, with A new this story community book. New story community books. Yeah. I was familiar with this author, and when you'd suggested it, we'd already ordered it. Like, it was already in the collection and everything. So I was like, oh, cool. Okay. That's, yeah, I know. That's what You took a picture of, of yourself with it right away. I did. I did. Yeah. So you just kind of saw it on the bookstore shelf and were like, yeah, this is the one. Let's do it. Yeah, because I always sort of peripherally check out the LGBTQIA mm-hmm. section of mm-hmm. the bookstore to see what's happening. And this book was right in the front. And okay. I thought, of course, it was super cute. And the play on words, I myself am a gunkle appointed by some of my girl from Marshall. Uh-huh. My, um, they're not uh, biologically related to me, but they are by proxy. That's so right. I am a gunkle and I, I, uh, we can get into it in a little bit, but that term has sort of 
irked me a little bit in the past. And I think this book kind of resolved a little bit. I don't know. This book, I'm going to cut to the chase. I really enjoyed it. I cried no less than 10 times. 10? Um, I get emotional. I I don't know what it is. We can dig into that too, but I got a little (laughs) bit emotional by like the subject matter and the relationships. And this is honestly, I mean, come on, this is one of the better written books that we have covered on our podcast, like our our sessions. For sure. I would say this is the most well-written book we've ever read together. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. So, so we can really get into it and get in, we can really feel things. Well, when when you suggested it and I looked at it and read the synopsis, I was like, oh, it's anti-mame, which I'm <laughs> like, I'm down with because I don't know if you ever read that book, but Patrick Dennis wrote anti-mame and then he wrote a sort of sequel, sort of midquel called Around the World with Anti-Mame. Both are really good, but that first book is one of my favorite books of all time. It's such a well-written story. I love that you love anti-mame. I do. The characters are great. Uh, and so, I mean, first of all, the, the lead character's name is Patrick. So right there, you've got a built in because that's the Patrick Dennis. And also like that's the. Oh, right. Yeah. And Patrick is the anti-mame is written in first person. So he's like, I'm Patrick and my anti-mame, you know. And so the character's name is Patrick as well. And it's not too far into the book where he's like, I'm like anti-mame. So I'm like, OK, we've acknowledged this similarity. It's It's out there, which I think is good. Yeah. Quite a few times, actually. So uh-huh. I mean, that could be our little drinking games every yeah. time he references anti-mame. Uh, I mean, come on, a lot of lot, yeah. I was uh, going to say a lot but, of references in this book that you and I can really hang on. That's true. Yeah, I feel like it was very like loosely based on like what if Sean Hayes from Will and Grace had to take in kids, because a lot of the things that he was saying about his career, like sort of playing the second fiddle on a popular TV show, there was the story about. Um, how when the show was a hit, they were all giving cars, which is a thing that happened to the Will and Grace cast. And he had like a partner, like a like a scene partner. Then they were sort of like, say your catchphrases and stuff. So I got a lot of uh, Sean Hayes, Will and Grace vibes. Did you see that at all? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I struggled to like not picture Sean Hayes. I mean, right? the way they describe Patrick is, a, I would say, a little bit more burly, a little bit more beardy and, yeah. you know, a gruffer style of yeah. of guy but as far as like the career trajectory and like the archetype and everything it did, it did kind of fit that sean hayes sort of yeah um 90s sitcom um like yeah yeah the whole so i think that that was probably like a tactic by the writer to make it very relatable mm-hmm. yeah and i um i shared a video with you when when the the author Stephen Rowley was like promoting this book, he was very much like in character as the Gunkle. I feel like a lot there's a lot of um, autobiographical things about this book as well. And in fact, I listened to this on audio, and he read the audiobook himself. So it was kind of interesting to hear like not only the words, but hear his actual like performance and interpretation of the characters and everything. And I thought oh, that was good. That would be fun. Yeah, I do feel like. With... Did he sing Liza with a Z? <laughs> no, he didn't. I do feel like, as with Auntie Mame, this book, I would have liked it more if it was in first person, if he was saying, like, me and I instead of sort of a distant Patrick did this, Patrick did that. I feel like it would have felt a little bit more, like, immediate if it was a first person kind of novel. Right. I wonder why the why that choice was made, because he does, you know, we, we read the letter from his perspective quite yeah. a bit where, you know, we are, we're being told how he feels as opposed to him mm-hmm. explaining it himself. So that was an interesting decision. I didn't mind it. I mean, I 
could picture this being a, a feature film For sure. soon. Yeah. Like I can definitely see them turning this into a movie. No, I wouldn't say I minded that it was in third person. I just the more and more the more I read it, the more I felt like like the book was just like desperate to be first person. So the fact that it wasn't, I feel like yeah. put a little distance in there that would have been better. I guess we should say right off the bat that like we are going to spoil this book. I feel like we have to kind of give away some spoilers to to have a conversation here. But I was sort of disappointed yeah. that the setup is that the kids will eventually go back. You know, I I guess Oh, you would rather that leave kind of like hanging in the you know that that maybe they that maybe he keeps them or or you wish that the initial plan was that he will have these kids forever yeah yeah well i think that's i think that's one of the things that works so well in mame is like this is a situation that doesn't work like mame cannot be a parent to a child and yet she is you know and i think the fact that it was always a temporary situation for me took a little bit of the uh well we got to figure this out out of it well yeah and i think it was interesting having knowing that there was a deadline and that he, they were going to go away to think like, cause there's obstacles obviously that come into play yeah, that yeah. maybe he won't have them for the full time and we'll get there. But I, I thought it was interesting to know that like, how are these kids going to change him? Cause obviously there's going to be a shift at the end. Yeah. What, it, well, how is he going to operate when they do leave? Like we're leading up to that. Like, is he going to be able to survive without them? Yeah. So, so yeah. that was interesting to know that like in a book that we are going to see, eventually him without the kids but but i i get what you're saying i think there would be a little bit more action to play if mm -hmm. he was just like that these are your kids now yeah 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 i also i don't mean to be coming out with criticisms right off the bat because i did really like the book but <laughs> but i felt like an element that was underdeveloped was patrick's friendship with the children's mother because that was like, that's a big part of the initial setup that Patrick is initially like super best friends with this woman. And then she eventually marries Patrick's brother and they have kids. And then Patrick and the mother, whose name I'm forgetting, drift apart. And they don't have that same Sarah, Sarah, and they don't have that same closeness. I guess maybe I would have liked maybe more flashbacks with the mother or had because throughout the book, he's sort of like, well, the kids are sad about losing her and my brother's sad about losing her. But what about me? Like I lost her as well. And I guess I just never really like felt that because we didn't really get much insight into that relationship. Still made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he talked, he's like, I was like, Sarah, yeah. I start crying. Yeah. I mean, I'm a softie when it comes to these book kind of books, but yeah. I, um, I, I, I understand. I hear what you're saying. I don't know that I necessarily agree. I felt like I really got a good picture okay. of who Sarah was because I feel like I have a Sarah in my life and stuff like that. So. I felt like I could really relate to that. The one relationship I felt that was really unresolved was Clara, the sister. I felt very unsatisfied with the resolution of that storyline. Clara. Are you kidding me? I, I what just, she did and said to him. Yeah. What she did and said to him. And he's just like, meh. Yeah. And bounces back. Yeah. Well, see, now this isn't my fault because you brought up this criticism. So I don't, I don't get the, I don't get blamed for this. But yeah, Clara, she sort of, I feel like she kind of comes out of nowhere and then is just like a villainous character for something that like really doesn't make any sense. She's, she's essentially trying to step in and like get a court order to take the kids away from Patrick. And it's like that case wouldn't even be before a judge by the time the dad is out of rehab. So it was just kind of a forced. Right look at this uh look at this obstacle that's thrown in the way for her to come and be like 
I'm going to go to court and get this done. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. And then pretty much, you know, he decides to not make a big deal out of it. And then the next time we see her, she's backstage giving him flowers, you know? So yeah. it's like, wow. I mean, he can really let things go. It yeah. really, it really paints Patrick in like a, a light that he um, is unbothered and can move forward and move on. It, it, there's not a lot of struggle that Patrick goes through when it comes to his family relationships, yeah. especially with Clara, but, um, but it makes Clara just sound like a, Biatch. Mm-hmm. like it just like really mm-hmm. paint this character to just sound like a, a like a miserable person yeah for sure for sure or clara uh, i don't know if i said clara or sarah that's gonna be hard that's this is my biggest pet peeve and i didn't bump up against too much in here but like when you have characters especially characters that are largely absent who have essentially the same name i that's i have to find that so annoying just fix that in editing. Come on, if you're making it up, make up a different name that doesn't sound exactly like the other absent character in our story. So yeah, I was gonna say she could be Susan, but even the S would be a little, uh, a little too true. close. Yeah, let's call her Trudy from now on. We're, oh we're yeah, that in. Trudy's a yeah. So what what parts about it connected to you the most? The Palm Springs of it all is very interesting because in the gay culture mm-hmm. of I've heard of it, you know, the greater United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting out there we're getting yeah, our names out there good for you there are some destinations in uh in america that we kind of flock to so like if you're in the midwest where i am you're, you go to saugatuck you go to the dunes where i just went and that's where a lot of like chicago gays go or detroit gays <laughs> or marshall gays um <laughs> If you're in New York City, you kind of go to P-Town, Provincetown, right at the tip of Cape Cod, okay. right outside of, um, well, kind of outside of Boston. But um, you go to Fire Island, which is off of Long Island in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on the and, West Coast, you maybe go to Puerto Vallarta, where I just that's, went. That's how you hear it. It's just the newsletter goes out and tells you where to go. Is that how it, is that how it works? Oh, did you not get yours? No, I'm oh, no, I'm. Did just, you not get yours? Just Sorry. An, I'm, no, I'm just an ally. So I don't think we, I don't think we get them. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. So I don't have to worry about getting you canceled. No, you're an ally. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm here for you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see. I'll, I'll get you back on that mailing list. Okay. Thank you. Um, and the final of those would be Palm Springs. So okay. that's a big gay destination. So I was very fascinated with like the Palm Springs of it all. Like in the picture on the cover, you have him in a caftan. Oh. You have that kind of um, that 60s style Frank Lloyd Wright flat house yeah. in the back, which yeah. is probably very Jonathan Adler. Um, what was that time period called in the 60s? That that um, not Art Deco. That was the 20s. Oh, mid-century modern, very okay, mid-century okay. modern mm-hmm. aesthetic with these houses. So, so the landscape was very interesting to me because that's one of the that's the one gay destination of all the ones that I listed that I have not been to yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think I think what resonated to me was kind of the the setting, and I really liked what Stephen Rowley said about like a culture and sort of like where some of the little quirks and things come from or why as a community we do certain things. So it was kind of the tone that he's setting for the gay community, especially in the Palm Springs area. And it was also the X actor factor, which <laughs> it just kind of like, I don't know, I was like, is this book about me? <laughs> like, yeah, it was kind of moving, you know, staying, staying hidden in a place yeah. and trying to like, not trying, but transitioning out of a business and thinking yeah. like, do I still want to be in it? Mm-hmm. So, and being being a gunkle myself too, it just it was all very heartwarming, very spo- very much spoke to me. Okay, okay. 
I think the parts that I maybe liked the most was his like immediate friend group that he would kind of like go to them and talk about his problems and everything. I just really liked that whole dynamic and their relationship. The thruple? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Jed, as they call it, the Jonathan, Eduardo, yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. Jed, Trump, the tr- triple. I mean, and you know, that's like pretty common in gay culture is to be in a, a, a three-person relationship or yeah, let's an say open I know relationship. <laughs> I know it now. I've learned. You know. Okay, sure. You know. Of course. All your thruple yeah. gay friends. Yeah. Are you in a thruple? <laughs> Upstate New York. Yeah. I'm not even in a double. Oh. <laughs> so I just need okay. to get one first. Right. Yeah. But then the sky's the limit. But yeah, I like... So, you know, just throw oh. that handle up. Sure. I like that crew. I'm out there. I'm like, out there, fellas. <laughs> I like that he had sort of like a little home base, and, you wait, know, wait. like they could go and I don't know. I just I thought those scenes really worked. I thought the camaraderie and their friendship. I I just I, I enjoyed those scenes. Nice. I like that. I mean, I, I loved his relationship with the kids. Yeah, you know what? They never called him Gunkle. They always called him Gup. I wonder if there was at some point the book was called the Gup because that's like they exclusively called him that. Right, yeah, it was kind of a title within a title. Yeah. 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 I mean, the book maybe should have been called Gup, but yeah. that's not going to sell, really, I feel no. like. No. Yeah. I mean, the Gunkle's yeah, a great yeah, title a because point. it really, like, I mean, it kind of tells you exactly what it is. I think the title combined with it, it's a great cover. I think those two together, you know, just make yeah. for, this is going to be a fun, splashy book. Uh, he was not as, like, extravagant as I was expecting coming it through with, like, mame colored glasses i thought he was going to be a little bit more out there and he was pretty responsible i feel like for the most part and was like they had one <laughs> there's like the one party you know but that wasn't like a constant thing and i think if it had been if it was a constant right. cycle of like all the kids are all doing these wild things and it might have made clara's concern make a little bit more sense but it seemed like right, yeah. She just happened to barge in on that one part right. they threw. Yeah. yeah, and other than that, it was like they were just having brunch a lot and having a Christmas tree up. There just there wasn't a whole lot of like really outlandish things. <laughs> right, for as recluse as he is to even have one party, it seems yeah. like it would be a big deal. Right, and it really wasn't a mm-hmm. big deal in the grand scheme of things. I because it, it was really a book about kind of grieving. I think. And, I agree. And, and that yeah. was. That that was touched on a lot, but you're right to have the anti mame factor in there. It was uh, Clara's, you know, reasoning was unfounded in the mm-hmm. sense of like he, he's not a party person. He's very, yeah, yeah, he's not that. That's not him, and she should know that being his sister. So right. that was that was a very they were reaching for that storyline. Yeah, I would have almost I liked it to not Clara not have really been involved, and it just be him Agreed. and Gary, his twin brother. Yep. that relationship I love. I do too. Yeah. I, I really feel like Clara, to me, feels like a literary device more than a character. It's like, we need a villain, we need an obstacle, and so there's a sister. Right. And it right. didn't, they didn't really, like, I think he could have maybe gone deeper with Clara was more hurt that she wasn't asked, or, like, had some more, like, maybe she and the mom had bad blood. I think there's a lot of things in there that might have given her a little bit more of, like, a reason for how she behaved, and it was very one-dimensional. Right, no redeeming quality with that character at all. She just mm. seemed like a jealous, vindictive, uh, and, and I hate to say it, feminist. Like they kept driving home the fact that, like, like she, you know, is she's uh, against men, um, like as a construct and like a gender and everything. And they they kept really driving home the fact that she's a feminist. I was like, are you trying to make commentary on feminists these sure. days or something like that? Like it felt. 
that was a strange kind of addition well, too. I was like, it's kind of like painting women in a weird way. It's true. The way that he describes and, Clara character. And, and I would even go farther and say what you're describing is not feminism. It's like a parody of feminism. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's what people who don't like feminism think feminism is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was interesting too. The, um, the parents are still alive and they were very, they weren't mentioned very much. Yeah. Like Patrick and Gary and Clara's parents are still alive. Yeah. They were never a part of the conversation to no. take the kids. They were described as like, like um, very conservative themselves, but also yeah. supportive. So it, yeah, the relationships they could have. Yeah. I think you're right. They, they spent so much time focusing on the relationship between Patrick and the kids, which was great yeah. and very little time elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's common with a story like this, and I don't need to get super deep, but it, it almost seems like they could have cut Clara and just had the parents be the foil or something. That would have been really twisted. I, I don't think you if need the it. the parents were the obstacle. I don't think you need that. I think cut Clara and have the parents already be dead and have the foil just be, is Patrick capable of doing this? You know, because he's presented yeah. as sort of a, you know, a, a little bit of a, a, a pampered, like, celebrity type. And I feel like him just having to like expand himself and like open himself up to actually being responsible. That's the foil. You know what I mean? Like that, that is the real obstacle. Can he do it? I don't think you need a villain. It's almost too anti-mame though, to just have him be that like over the top character with the kids. It would almost just be a replica of it. I feel like, so I feel like while trying to stay true to that source material, they're taking a lot of liberties. Cause then ultimately, you know, the LA executives want to turn this story into, you know, a sitcom. And so it had to be, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could have done that if it was an anti mame twist too, but then he would just have the kids yeah. still and it wouldn't be him taking a job to try and get to their coast. So, right. Anyway, yeah. I know, I know. I gotta say it felt also, it felt a little old manny, from like a writing standpoint that it was um he was like breaking big on youtube and not like tiktok or something it's like oh, oh all the, all the kids love TikTok, youtube though. yeah they did but it was like he makes cute videos with his niece and nephew on youtube i thought that was kind of funny is youtube dead am i, feel, I behind i think youtube is dead yeah i feel like oh, youtube's no. the new i feel like youtube's the new facebook why were you just gonna launch a channel i'll watch i'll still watch <laughs> i was gonna throw this up on my youtube like and subscribe oh. What are you pointing at? There's nothing. I don't. I don't even see anything. Uh, we, right here. We did. Get, or here. Oh, there. Yep. Uh, we did get one romance. We, I mean, we we got we got a little bit of a sex scene, yeah. and that was it. How'd you feel about that? Because you had lots to say about uh, red, white, and royal blue. Well, when they first introduced that character, Emery, this guy who's like a, the new Hollywood buck or whatever, you know, <laughs> I, late I thought 20s, it was funny that it was Marlon like, Brando-esque. Like a CW star. You know, this is like Archie from Riverdale is like hitting on, yeah. uh, you know, right. Jack from Will and Grace. Picture I just, it. thought it was funny. Yeah, I kind of pictured it as like a Charlie Puth, though, a little okay. bit like okay. unconventional. Sure attractive mm-hmm. i did not see it coming like when they introduced the character i didn't see him being the one that would linger at the party yeah. after so um it was kind of strange like i understand what they were trying to say with emery being like the yes to patrick's no because he's young yeah. and he's like active and wants to get out there and do things and it's getting patrick um activated but it seemed too that seemed too easy yeah. that relationship seemed too yeah, easy i agree like i i felt like 
with Patrick coming out of that long-term relationship and grieving the loss of his partner, like that should, that would have been a little bit more interesting to see him struggle with opening his heart yeah. and falling in love again. It seemed like he had everything at his disposal. It was yeah. like, that was, there wasn't one bit of Emery that was a foil or obstacle. And yeah. I really, I mean, for that, I loved it. I mean, I don't love reading about tension, so yeah. it was easy and sweet and it made me feel a little butterflies. This is where I thought it was a good scene. I mean, at the whole like the pool scene, I, I I thought was well written, and like I think believable in the moment. I just was like in hindsight, what we were saying about Claire and the parents and everything. Like if you trim that out, you could have had more time to like have either Emery or just Patrick, like you said, coming to terms with like healing and like being open to like romance in a relationship. I think the you know having the kids like forcing himself to be open for the kids would maybe also kind of open the door to like, I don't have to be, I don't have to be sad. I don't have to be alone. And I can still like love and honor and remember my partner, but move forward like happier. I I just feel like that would have made the book a little bit better if, if there was more of that struggle, not struggle, but process. For sure. Yeah, no, I think that would have been, um, it would have added a little bit another layer of humanity to Patrick. I mean, you're right. They were making him very real. He was not like the fantastical gay figure that mm-hmm. we kind of anticipate or suspected, but I like that. I mean, I think that the, the, the gay stereotype is, is, is overplayed and yeah. I like that he didn't go there. I like that. Um, they had that kind of sex scene in the pool mm-hmm. and they didn't get super graphic, but I like that Patrick felt, um, I, that Patrick felt no shame and like, yeah, having an intimacy with a man knowing that the kids were at home. Yeah. I, I, I like that he had no problem in inviting him into the house yeah. and cuddling with him while yeah. the kids were there. And they normalized a lot of those taboos, which I appreciated. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you're right. It wasn't like a graphic scene, but it was like a sexy scene. I thought, you know, like it, it was well done. Mm-hmm. It was implied. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I feel like, I, I didn't necessarily, I, I mean, I didn't need him to be a gay stereotype. I guess I just maybe needed him to be more of a mess as a person. That's what I mean as far as, like, I, I think... Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. I was not attacking you about no, no. that, but I, I will. <laughs> no, I, I will, just... I will get you, my pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that was a missing element. Because never did I feel like, oh, this man can't take care of children. Like, I never had that thought. You know, right. And I think that is so why did so why did Clara? Right. And I think that's a really crucial element yeah. that you have to have some concern, whether it's he just is not good at being responsible for other people or he's not good at taking care of right. himself. So how is he going to? And none of it was there. It was like this is just a you know, a man yeah. who has has his life figured out and is just like having a good time and now he's got some kids, you know. And I, I just kind of missed him sort of having to be like, Oh crap. I have to have a real breakfast now and or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Watching him cook for the first time. Yeah. Try to figure out his way around the kitchen or like, yeah, that could have been fun. Yeah. Did they specifically call out Auntie Mame with the Christmas tree? Yes, I believe they did. Because I think they're talking about we need a little Christmas and they all sang it um, at the party. So the party was that that kind of Auntie Mame moment. And they really went went ham with the references in that (laughs) scene. Yeah. Have you seen the Lucille Ball Auntie Mame? Yes, I've seen the I've seen the Lucio Ball and I've seen the um, Rosalind Russell. Okay, I don't think I've I've read the play. I don't think I've seen the movie. I know the Lucy version like gets a lot because she like Lucy can't sing, can't sing a note, poor thing. But she's so good in that movie, and and B. Arthur's so good, and and Robert Preston. I I really like that movie. 
I think Lucy has some really like strong oh, yeah. acting moments in it. Lucille Ball is from Jamestown, which yeah, is like I think that... an hour or so from where I am now. And in Jamestown, there's a Lucy oh, Desi. Oh, they have that creepy statue. Yeah, they do have the creepy statue. But there's a Lucy Desi Museum, and in it are some of her costumes from MAME. And it's just cool to see. Because it's such a, That's like, really cool. nobody thinks about MAME when they think about Lucy. But the costumes are there, and it's just, it, it is fun. Right, yeah. I, I think of more Rosalind Russell. I think of that version yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, not but the Angela thing I like Lansbury? about both of them, they both got that smoky voice. They do. Do I think about Angela? I was not big on the, the stage show. I didn't know it that well. It wasn't on my okay. radar. Um, and honestly, Angela, Angela Lansbury vehicles or Angela Lansbury as a musical theater figure and this is really gonna be a little like I said oh the the statements I make are not you know the well, the the feeling of all gay men in this country but I do approval, not go crazy yes. over okay. Angela Lansbury not a Lansbury fan I see I do love it right, pending Lansbury. approval I feel like it goes back to bed knobs and broomsticks but I had the main like vinyl record I had a, I got like a, at a garage sale, my stepdad got me this big crate of records and it was a lot of like 70 stuff and tons of, of Broadway shows, like obscure, weird things. And MAME was in there. And I just always really liked that music. I, I feel like anything Jerry Herman, like Mac and Mabel, Hello Dolly. I mean, it's like got a lot of stuff. Oh, I know. I get it. And she's she's got a powerful voice and a powerful presence. And honestly, I do love Sweeney Todd. So I guess mm. I, I guess I do appreciate her more than i can let on because she was the mrs lovett yeah there you go she's also playing very not, against yeah, type now in, i feel bad Mame, which i think is cool like that's not an Mame is not an angela Lansbury what, what, role. what's her you type know? well i think usually she's more of a i don't know like a prim Jessica or mouse type but i guess if you look back you know in gaslight and other things she was she was kind of a rascally character actress back yeah. in the day Right, yeah, yeah. She was definitely stereotyped in TV and film to be yeah. like that uh, yeah. prim and proper British yeah. gal, but but I bet she loved playing that brassy, brazen broad did. next to yeah. uh, B. Arthur. Mm-hmm. Good old B. Arthur. Are you watching Golden Wouldn't Girls? Because Golden Girls and oh, Golden which Palace, they're all they're all streaming now. Um, no, I did go through. Um, I was going to watch the whole series from start to finish. And I kind of dropped off. I've seen all the episodes, I'm yeah, sure, in yeah, my yeah. lifetime, but I was going to rewatch them. I mean, yeah, what, I feel like I feel like every podcast we record, we talk about the Golden Girls at some I, point. That's I why I brought Marker. I was actually thinking about uh, the, the designing women quote that you're so fond of. The night the lights went out in Georgia. I can't hear anything about designing women without thinking of you being like, and that's the night, the lights. That's classic. Have quote. you been to some gay bars lately? Because you'll see that. You'll see that that's as soon as a, you walk in on the on big jumbo truck. Okay. No, no, I haven't. It's like it, it pretty much announces every hour on the hour. <laughs> it's like a cuckoo clock, <laughs> but with Dixie Carter. <laughs> with Dixie that's Carter. Stupid. I like that. Uh, so, anything else in the book here that you care to mention? I, the the thing that I didn't see how it tied in was like when he's recording the very first video and he's asking them to start sharing stories about their mom, you know, and trying yes. to teach them and coach them to become better in front of a camera and stuff. That had very little payoff, too. I thought that that was going to end up – I thought we were going to end up watching the video or we were going to end up yeah. um, seeing them start to recall their mom a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, I remember watching that and being like, "Oh, that's so sweet. That's a really sweet idea to have the kids just start to talk about their mom." And then yeah. it they they write those letters, but we never get to read their letter. Right. So we don't really, you know, we know how they felt, of course, but but I wish that they have had had 
like you maybe that's what you're kind of saying like get gotten a little bit more into the sarah character yeah yeah flush that, that out a little I bit think more that would have been helpful but I, I think ultimately the process of them writing the letters was really more about him dealing with the loss of his partner i think it was more about his healing than theirs you know i think like him opening the door mm, for them was opening the door right. for him i feel i think that's why it was in there but yeah it was kind of it did kind of go away. Right. That whole, um, that whole setup of them becoming comfortable. Cause all of a sudden they're very comfortable in front of the camera and they're For posting sure. all those YouTube For videos sure, and they yeah. have a YouTube channel. Yeah. And even, even the YouTube thing didn't have much of a payoff. It's not like I would have almost expected like YouTube to be the one that revived Patrick's career. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, look at all this attention he's getting on this platform. We need to bring him back. Cause it really seemed as easy as I'm ready to go back to Hollywood. And they were like, come on down. Yeah. We're going to write a show all about you it True. just seemed really easy for him like they were just kind of knocking at his door the other character and that i, I mean, was ha- like okay whatever was the uh like the assistant agent who comes out to see him and then ends up being his agent was sort of like a okay like i i just don't i don't really know like why we did that but we didn't we didn't need her. We didn't really. We no. could have just kept his prior agent, yeah. or he could have. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a very strange relationship. They keyed up or yeah. they teed up, and then didn't really knock that out of the park. And I, I guess I'm happy for her. Yeah, she rose. You yeah, know, rose the her. ranks really quickly. But I just didn't know her well enough. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It seemed they, mostly like they wanted a reference of a chorus line in there, and they used her to reference of, a chorus yeah, line we quite a bit. We got a lot of so. references to a chorus line, sure. <laughs> I feel like, you know, like looking back on the book and the characters that were introduced and the way they were used and everything almost feels like a setup to a series more than just one standalone novel because you have a lot of characters in there that if you were going to continue on with that, you would have that set up nicely, you know? I wonder if that was ever part of the thought. Not another series. I know. I know. But I mean this kind of ends up being a TV show. Maybe that was a maybe that was a thought like in the writing process that it could potentially be a series. I mean isn't that probably all what all authors are hoping is maybe. that their book will become a series and it will I'm come sure back the, and they get I'm to sure go go the go. Checks would be nice. Yeah. I Here's a question for okay. you. Okay. If they cast the major motion picture of this who do you picture playing Gop, gay Uncle Patrick. Oh, hmm, that's a good question. Do you have somebody in mind? What about uh, what about like Jim yes. Jim Parsons, like from the Big Bang Theory? I think would be funny. Yeah, no, I you, think that could that could work. And I, I appreciate that. I think I I appreciate that it's a gay identified actor mm. that is playing a gay role. I, okay. I appreciate that. Okay, but I was thinking also. I was thinking also of actually of a gay actor. Um, and I, I think he might be a little bit older than what okay. this role calls for, but he looks good. <laughs> is um, that? Um, uh, oh my god! I had his name before we started, mm. and now I can't remember. Do, uh, not Dominic. It'll be fun. Um, Tell me what's he in. More Mari Mari Bar. Maury Povich? Maury, Maury Bartlett from... Oh. <laughs> Maury Povich You are not the father. <laughs> Ma- who are we talking about? Um, no, Maury, Bar- Ma- Maury, Maury Bartlett. I don't know who that is. He's an Australian actor, and he was in um, an HBO series called Looking back in hmm. the mid-2000s. Okay. And then he was recently in The White Lotus, which was a Sam um, Sam Waters or whatever his name is um, uh, production with like okay. Jennifer Coolidge and um, 
uh, that guy from that thing you do and Connie Britton. Um, but he played like the, the restaurant, or no, the, the hotel manager. Huh. Okay. And I, I picture him, especially cause he has a mustache and got past the mustache quite a bit, but yeah. he's handsome. I think he's got to be very handsome. That's true. That's a good point. But a little bit like salt and pepper. Okay. I'll take so, your word on it. Yeah. I, I picture, I picture somebody as like, that. yeah, give yeah. him more work, put him I on would... my screen. <laughs> I would definitely read more from this author. This, unlike the Casey McQuiston book, I was never like bored or like, okay, all right, come on, let's get going. Like there are things as we pick it apart that I wish had been differently or I wish I wish different areas of focus would have been in there, I think could have made it a stronger kind of story. But overall, I liked the writing. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought the plot moved quickly. I thought the characters were fleshed out enough, like, you know, believable and, and didn't feel with the exception of Clara and some of the side characters. I'm thinking of Patrick specifically. I felt like we got enough, you know, that that I would be like, yeah, all right, let's let's see what else we got here. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he did a great job, like I said, of kind of pinpointing kind of gay culture and gay point of view and um, giving a lot of heart to Patrick and showing, you know, showing grief and... Um, and resilience mm-hmm. coming out of that. I thought that that, you know, the letter that he had Patrick write was um, sarcastic and you could mm-hmm. feel, you know, the jabs of a close relationship, especially a close gay relationship. Um, but um, yeah, I felt like I would definitely read more from this author as well. I think he gets humor and I feel like he really clips along. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the chapters, chapters didn't drag on. Yeah. They were all sweet anecdotes. Um, every little adventure he had with the kids. I like the way he committed to the, um, the lisp of Grant. Oh, um, that was, that was like, rough in the audio book. Uh, that, that got old real quick in the audio book, but yes. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I didn't even think about that. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be grating. Yeah. But reading it in my mind, I was like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah. For the for the library, like actually in the library, the, the book club that we did this year for Pride Month was Cool for the Summer. Oh, and I'm not going to remember the author's name. Dahlia oh, something. And it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was uh, it's a YA book and it was about this girl who um has an experience with another girl over the summer and then like in a grease twist that girl is the new kid in her class and now she has to try to decide like does she stick with this like jock that she's always loved or does this connection from the summer carry over and i just thought like you kind of know exactly where it's gonna go but i thought overall it was uh it was a really satisfying really fun kind of read and i loved all the grease references so that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> you listen to me, Sandra D. <laughs> you listen real good. And you listen good. There it is. Yep. Oh, good times. Good times we had on the Turkeyville stage, Bo, back in the day. I know. <laughs> I miss them. Yep. Any miss other... the smell of rotting turkey carcasses yeah. outside the stage door. All the bees. Bo and I worked in a dinner theater where it was half turkey restaurant, half dinner theater. And to get into the backstage area, you had to pass these like industrial dumpsters that were literally filled with turkey carcasses and more bees than you've ever seen in your life. It was Yeah, uh, if anything made me as an actor not want to smoke, it was that area yeah, where people yeah. would stand and smoke. Yeah. Swatting away the swatting away the breathing bees. in carcass. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, with Pride Month, how does that work? In July, do you just, you go back to your wife, Deborah, and everything's just the same, or? <laughs> I just, I don't want to yes, know. Yes, the, um, the, 
Yeah, they, they they roll and they take all gay paraphernalia out. Okay. Okay. They run it out of town, mm-hmm. lock it away until next season. Okay. So all right. Yeah, they come in. They they make sure that there's no gay stuff sure. after this. Sure. Yep, and they have yeah. to be thorough. Yeah, no, so that makes that makes sense. Have right. you? I mean, right. was was Full your va- was your vacation your Pride Month celebration? Do you got anything more on the agenda? That was the kickoff, and okay. it was really fun because uh, my friend Prescott does his drag show out there at the Dunes. Okay. His drag character is called Sutton Lee Seymour. I've probably brought her up on this podcast before, but um, he has a little summer residency there just for the high gay holidays, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and Fourth of July. You know, I've seen that written a million times, uh, but I've never thought of the Sutton Lee Seymour of it all until you said it aloud. Oh, funny. So maybe I haven't brought her up on this podcast because his joke is, if you don't get the name, get an education. (laughs) And you got the name. I got it. I got it. I love that song. That's a great song. Yeah. You so, edumic- you, you're educated. I guess so. All right. Well, I mean, I, I think we covered it. I think we covered it. We've got this book right here in the David A. Howe uh, Public Library. We have a, a Pride Month book d- display uh, right as you come into the door. So lots of things uh, for all ages right there. So you can check this or Cool for the Summer or anything else out from our, uh, from our nice little display there. So stop in and see us here at the library. Uh, coming up in library news on June 7th, we're having our second discord book club Bo, you don't know what discord is so let me just explain it to you discord is like sort of a a, like a more closed social media it's used a lot for gaming you know like if you're going to stream a game or something and have you know followers and connect and things discord is a big part of that uh we have a special little discord library server where if you have access to it we have like a a book recommendations channel we have a book club channel and we've been doing sort of a pop culture book club every month that last month we did a batman thing to coincide with uh, the release of the batman movie with rob pattinson and on june 7th we're going to be talking about all things doctor strange with a new movie coming out so if you want to join that you can you can send us a note right on the podcast twitter at all the book show facebook at david a Howe public library you can even send us an old email at wellsville at stls.org and we'll get you set up on the library discord server in the auditorium the young sisters are back on june 9th seven o'clock uh, they're an acoustic duo, so come down and see that. And summer reading is right around the corner. Bo, have you ever been part of a summer reading program at your local library? Not yet. Um, I'm interested in looking into my local your library summer. now. I'm sure. Marshall has a nice library. I haven't been in there in a long time, but I always used to really like it. Uh, but yeah, summer reading program. Here, I mean, you, you, you get prizes just for checking out books and reading and participating in things. We have got... This is ocean theme, so we've got special guests. We've got things in the auditorium. We've got book clubs, a lot of craft classes, cooking classes, outdoor programs, a lot of things going on at the library. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, you can go and rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast, or you can find back episodes on YouTube. And next time, Allie's going to be back, and we're going to be talking summer reads. And I already know yours is that that Derek Huff autobiography, right? Oh, yeah, that- Russian to get through I his bet. dancing I career. Bet you are. Yeah, that's going to be real dense. That's a real, a thinker. Can that's only be... imagine. Yeah. Story. A real, yeah, real deep thinking. Yep. He and his dance partner's sister. Uh-huh. I'll be the one thinking. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. wondering. Huh, how does that work? There's another um, There's another Grease connection, though, because she was in Grease Live. That's right. Yeah, because now she's a musical theater star, too. Yeah, yeah, she is. Did you ever want to be in one of those uh, NBC Live musicals? Did you ever did you ever come close to being in one of those? Heck yeah. I never came close, but I know plenty of people that have gotten the opportunity to do it. Okay. They film them, I think, 
I think they filmed Peter Pan in New York. I feel like most of them are filmed in LA. So a mm. lot of them are, are, are LA dancers. Sure, yeah. I didn't really campaign that hard to get into it after the disaster that was Peter Pan. I thought it was a sinking <laughs> ship, but I thought yeah. Annie was real cute. Yeah. Did you watch it? I, I don't think I watched Annie. I watched, I watched Hairspray. I watched Grease. Um, I did see Peter Pan. I think, oh, I watched a Christmas, the Christmas story one. So I saw a bunch of them. What do you think of Harry Connick Jr. as Daddy Warbucks? He doesn't look good bald. I There's no way around that. Not a good vibe for him. I know. Well, he doesn't look good in a bald cap. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. true. I guess that's true. I was in Annie once. I played Rooster. Do you want to hear a little bit of it? Easy Street. Uh, Let me get my ukulele. <laughs> Why do I feel like I've already heard it? Probably. You probably have. Yeah. I probably saw it. Yeah, I hope Front so. Front row. I hope. <laughs> Front row with the, his 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 community players. No, no, this was at the this was here in New York. That that was uh, it was my uh, I came out of retirement just to do Rooster and Annie, and I instantly regretted it. But you know, my little brother was in it. He played FDR, so it was a nice little family outing for us to do together. You know? Aww. Yep. Was Hillary in it? No, no, she she was wiser than I. Aww. Yeah. She'd be a great grace. Yeah, she wouldn't like that. She doesn't like, she's not a soprano. She doesn't like singing like that. Oh, you know? shows how much I know her like, facility and type and all that. She and I, I feel like several years ago, this, this is too cutesy, but she and I were in Guys and Dolls together, and I played Sky Masterson, and she was Sister Sarah. So we did have a lot of, uh, we had a lot is of That's singing. a soprano role. Is it? I don't think so. Yeah. Really? No, is, if I were a bell is low. Sarah that's, Brown? That's more of an alto kind of a role. Whatever. That's not what... Oh, yeah, you could sing that. Yeah. (laughs) I could if I were a bell. If I were a bell. (laughs) (laughs) Even with the delay, we were right there. We had had the same thought. We were there. Uh, All right. Well, I think we should close up shop on this Pride Month book club. What do you say? I feel good about that. Can I just give one plug to my new YouTube channel? Oh, my Gub, Gay yeah. Uncle Bo. Okay. That's perfect. Can you imagine? That's perfect. I can imagine, yeah. And I'm going to be looking for it uh, on YouTube whenever I whenever I get a chance. So yeah. always good to talk with you. I assume, you'll be back. I assume you'll be back for Christmas. You can't get rid of me. I can't. I've tried. I've tried over these last several decades. All right, everybody. Uh, tell us what you're reading this summer, and Allie and I will bring it up in the next episode here on How's Things. We'll see you then. Thank you.